Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited about a new episode of our podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Reagan Freeze. She's currently the assistant to the head football coach at Liberty University, just an incredible young woman of God, loves Jesus, loves the platform of athletics for making Jesus known, and also just a powerful testimony of redemption. So without further delay, let's jump right into it. Thanks for joining me today, Reagan. So I'd like to start this out with some background information. So if you don't mind, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, you know, maybe where you're from, a little about your family growing up, and, you know, maybe just describe your childhood. Okay. So I'm actually from Mississippi. Um, we have lived in the South my entire life, um, just bumped around different places, state to state. Um Mississippi is the longest place that I've lived in totality, though. Let's see. I started off, um, I was born in Memphis, Tennessee, where my dad was coaching high school ball at Briarcrest Christian School, where he coached Michael Orr. So um, that was the first um, few years of my life. And then we moved to Ole Miss, where he was an assistant coach. So that was in Mississippi. And then we went back to Tennessee, um, this small school, it's not even a school anymore, called Lambeth. So um, I think Memphis University ended up buying that out. But um, we were there for a couple years. And then we always have a funny story that we lived in California for a total of four days because he took an OC job out at San Jose State. And it was our fourth day of living there. And he got a call from Arkansas state to be their OC. So we quickly packed it right back up and <laughs> moved right back to Arkansas. So then from Arkansas, he was there for two years. Uh, the first year as an OC, the second year as a head coach, and then got hired to be the head coach at Ole Miss. We were there for six seasons. And then he, after everything happened at Ole Miss, he took two seasons off and then we moved to Lynchburg, where we're now at Liberty. So most of my years were in Mississippi. Um, I like to say I grew up in Independence, Mississippi, because that's where my grandparents live. And that's where every time we would transition, which was a lot, we would, me and my sisters and my mom, while my dad was getting everything situated on his end, we would all move there for the time being. And all my cousins lived there. Um, we, it's a farm, it's a dairy, it was a dairy farm. So, Mm -hmm. which they got rid of the dairy farm part, but it's, they still have all the land. So I basically just tell people I grew up on a farm in Mississippi, um, in a town that is no more than 1200 people. So all there is, there's a four way stop and a church, (laughs) um, very close knit with my family. Uh, we obviously everywhere we went, we only had each other. So, you know, you talked about how close your family was because, I mean, you almost had to be, right, to, yeah. to do all that moving. What role did faith play in that? And then also, you know, you personally, when did you realize that you needed that personal relationship with Jesus? So I actually accepted Jesus um, as my Lord and Savior when I was eight. Um, we... My family has always grown up. We've grown up in a church. Um, 
But I like to say that my parents did a really good job with allowing us, me and my sisters, to to make it our own. So a lot of people, I feel like that grow up in churches, it's more like forced on them and their faith never becomes their own. But my Mm -hmm. parents did a really good job of, you know, letting the reins loose and like letting us figure it out for ourselves. So when I was eight, um, I just started asking a lot of questions, um, really wanted to know more. And I remember just having that that really serious conversation in the car with my mom and ended up accepting Christ in a car. Um, I would say though, my faith was never really tested. So as I know I was saved, but I never had a moment where I was just like, you know what? I know this faith is my own. I know this faith is real probably until my dad got or had to resign at Ole Miss. And that was the first time that I truly had to, you know, look at that and say, like, is this real? Is this real? For me? Is this my faith or do I take this from my parents? And so that was probably the first time that I ever really um, had to intentionally figure that out for myself. You know, and that's, and I think that's true for a lot of people, especially in the South that grew yeah. up in the church, right? We, we understand at that younger age, but it is our early adult years adult, when it yeah. becomes real. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a very similar, you know, going to church all the time. And, you know, the real testing of it, like you said, to really own it was probably early adult as yeah. well. And I think that's very common, especially in the South, because we right. almost take we take it for granted, I think. Yeah. You know, and then you hit a rough spot and it's like, oh, wait. Wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you another question about, about your family. So, mm-hmm. I mean, clearly your family's all about football. Um, was there any pressure for you to be involved in sports? And then, you know, how did you establish your identity as Reagan Freeze versus mm-hmm. Coach Freeze's daughter? Yeah. So there was, there was never any pressure at all. I know that my dad would have never been disappointed if none of us liked sports, but at the same time, when that's what you're born into, you almost don't know any different. So it was never like, I, like there was never like a, a time where I was like, I have to make this choice. It was just what I knew. So my dad was a basketball coach before he's a football coach. Actually, not a lot of people know that. Yeah. So, um, I actually played basketball for uh, all all of middle school. And then um, I picked up volleyball and that was my sport. I quit everything else. I played volleyball all year round. Um, I actually ended up winning state my senior year of high school. Um, I was the number one defensive player in Mississippi. So that ended up being my sport. Um, and then going into college, I was really burnt out of it because that's a sport that if you want to be good at it, that's all you do. So at that point I was like, you know, I'm just going to go to school. I'm going to go where my dad's coaching. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to Ole Miss. Well, then the, my freshman going into my freshman year is the year that my dad got fired. So I was like, oh gosh, like, what am I doing? Like, I don't want to go to the school anymore. I was only going because my dad's here. And, you know, my dad was just like, you're, you're stronger than that. Like you got it, tough it out. Like it'll be okay. So I go and, um, I just, I, I planned on working for the football team because that's, I know, that's just what I want to do. And 
that obviously was not an option as that would have been extremely awkward. (laughs) So, um, I just, you know, did school, um, and started coaching volleyball. Um, I coached for a high school that was in Oxford at the time and then a club, um, in club season. So I was doing that. And then my dad got, um, the Liberty job, the end of my sophomore year. So at that point I was like, I don't want to I'm just going to stay and I'll just keep coaching volleyball. And that's just what I'll do. Like I'll get my degree in coaching and that's, that's what I'll do with my life. But then I don't know. I just wasn't, there was something, a part of me that was like, I don't think I want to do this for the rest of my life. I really love football and I don't know what I want to do in football yet, but I just, there, there would be a part of me that always would always regret that. Mm -hmm. So I ended up, um, for his press conference and him getting announced, I ended up, you know, flying down just to be there for that. And by the end of it, like, I didn't want to leave. I, it was like one of those things that I was just like, I'm, I came there dead set that I wasn't going to be there. But then I left thinking like, I don't know, this might be the place that I need to be. So again, I was still being like extremely stubborn about it all. I didn't feel like I wanted to make that move. Um, but my sister, who was at Auburn at the time, who also said she was staying because she loved Auburn, she um, ended up enrolling in school that same weekend at Liberty. After, And she has strong ties to Auburn, was in a sorority, was a chair of a sorority. Like, she loved it there. And all of a sudden, like, she dropped everything to transfer there. So I was like, okay, like, maybe – maybe I need to take that step too and just go. And also like, I just knew Ole Miss wasn't stretching me and grow me. I had become comfortable there. And mm-hmm. I just, when you're, when you're comfortable, there's no growth. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. So I um, went ahead and withdrew from classes at Ole Miss and enrolled at Liberty moved up here. And I started working, helping out with recruiting um, when I got here and then something still, I still was like, I don't think that like, this is what I want to do. I don't, I don't, I enjoy it. And I love being a part of it, but I just don't have that. I just didn't have that spark. And, um, so soon after SJ Tui, who's been one of our family friends forever, got the director of football operations, um, job here. And, um, he asked if I wanted to, be his assistant and, and work in operations. So I was like, you know what? Like, that sounds like a lot more, you know, my speed, more of the things I want to do. Um, so that was what I was this past season. And I absolutely loved it. Like operations was right up my alley. I wanted to do all the behind the scenes stuff, you know, the, the little things that people don't understand, like need to get done. But I also know how my dad operates because I've seen it. So my entire life, so I was like, I, I know how he wants things done, the way he wants things done, you know, th- those kind of things. So I just felt extremely confident in that role and learned a lot from it. Um, a lot, a lot more that I didn't realize, uh, you know, goes into those kind of things. So loved that. Well, then SJ took the UCF job when Coach Malzahn got that job. So he um, left and I was like, okay, like, I, I mean, I guess I'll still work in operations, but I don't technically have like a direct boss anymore. And, um, then, you know, my dad was just like, kept, kept bringing the conversation into play. Like, how would you feel 
about this assistant role. And at first I was like, I don't know, like, you know, that's something I feel confident I could do. But at the same time, like, where do I separate being your daughter and being an, you know, like an, uh, the executive assistant. And that's, you know, what kind of what you were asking and separating Reagan from daughter, you know, as right. a worker and as a daughter. So that was some, that was my biggest concern with, um, with this job opening and just, you know, me and my dad, he is my, has always been my best friend. I have looked up to my entire life. Like I would consider him my hero. And so I was just mm-hmm. like, I don't want to put myself in a position to where I like, I jeopardize that in any way, which I know like he would never allow to happen. But at the same time, like there is that fine line where I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Right. <laughs> and so that was just a lot of conversation that had to be had. And just the sense of like, when I'm at work, I am your assistant. And when I'm at home, I'm your, you know, I'm your daughter. And obviously like you can still treat me as your daughter at work, but at the same time, like I don't ever want us to be on different pages. And he was the exact same. He was so gracious in, in the sense of just making it known that nothing he ever said at work would ever be personal. And he, so he does a great job of that. And honestly, that fear was like that, the fear of that, I, I can look back now and say that there was no reason to have that fear because it, it's honestly been awesome. It's been such a great opportunity. I've learned so much already. And honestly, I enjoy it so much. And it, it's, I, I have that spark back. It's like one of those things, like I get up at, at 6am every day and I don't, there's never like a complaint. I'm like, I genuinely love going to work. And so that's where I'm just extremely you know, grateful for and glad that I found my kind of like, you know, my niche. And so it's been great. That's awesome. And that is, I mean, I can't imagine trying to figure out, you know, the, the balance of that, you know, because, you know, yeah. you love your parents, but if you're around 24 seven, you know, you, you see. Yeah. And it's almost like it's, this challenge is more with the, you know, coworkers because right. you want to have those normal coworker relationships and, you know, like goof around and have fun when you, when you can, you know, get serious when it's time to get serious. But, you know, in a football world, the culture is normally like the utmost respect for the head coach and you don't, you know, never like, you know, cross any boundaries. And so you, it's almost like they're, they walk on eggshells around me and I, you know, like, Mm. I don't want, I never wanted that. So that was also something I had to be like, guys, like I'm like, I'm a normal person. Like I don't want to be looked at as, you know, the head coach's daughter. Like, obviously I'm so proud of him and proud to be his daughter, but at the same time, like treat me as, you know, a normal coworker. And I think that that's where more of the challenge was more than, his and my relationship. That makes sense. I didn't think about that, especially in the role now working so closely with him. Yeah. I could see where people would kind of group you with him. And so, yeah, yeah, that's, I didn't think about that. Um, I want to go backwards for a moment to to Ole Miss. Um, Yeah. I know, I know this story is, has been out there a lot, but I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of success. And then, you know, as a family rock bottom, Um, you know, so that's just kind of taken away. So just talk about that. Obviously a major impact on your family. So we don't, you know, I don't have to ask the impact, but you know, how did your family, because y'all so tight embrace Mm. and rally around each other because, I mean, everything's public. There was no privacy. 
Um, right. I live in Texas. I saw, you know, I read the stories. Yeah. Um, I don't know, you know, you don't know what, what everything you yeah. read is true, but I mean, so you're having to go through a healing process with no privacy. Mm-hmm. So talk about how your family embraced yeah. and walked through that. So, uh, yeah, like you said, like we, you know, we were on top beating the Alabamas, you know, he, he was doing some great stuff. So I think that where we messed up is that, uh, and he'll, he'll tell anyone this, um, is it's almost like, not that we threw any of our core values away that he built the program on in the first place, but it was, you know, more of you kind of like, they're kind of in your peripherals rather than your, you know, straight vision. And I think that, um, me personally, my pride was just way too much in who he was and what he was doing Mm. and just in football. And I was, you know, my identity was moving more towards football rather than who I was in Jesus. And so I know that, um, the thing, the, the rock bottom that we went through is what, you know, it took for me, for me to realize that the Lord is saying like, you are going way too far with this. And, um, so I will say I, I struggled for a solid six months there. I was confused. I was frustrated. I was, you know, it was just one of those honest moments, um, you know, like David had in, in the Bible, just one of those honest times where I was just like, God, like, I don't feel your goodness. I don't feel like you're fighting for us. I I feel like you've forsaken us, you know, and one day my mom just looked at me and she was like, you know what, Reagan feelings will mess you up. Like we are not Mm. promised to understand and feel like those feelings aren't from the Lord. So it, it was just had to have a mind check and renew my mind because that is the thing that the enemy will go after first. And once he has your mind, he has your heart. And so that was just, um, the, the thing that I really had to, you know, work through was just renewing my mind, um, day after day, like repeating the fact that those lies, you know, like kind of reverting the lies with truth and just like rewiring my brain to know that, you know, like while I was saying, I don't feel your goodness, like, I know that you're good and you don't go back on your promises and those kinds of things. So I just had to like re reevaluate my heart and my mind and where I stood with those things. And again, like that was just the first testing in my face. So I had to realize like this to make this faith my own, like I'm going to have to do some, you know, hard things. And, um, so it was, it was a really good, um, stretching and growing for me. And now like it's to the point where he's changed my mindset so much to like, well, I consider that the hardest thing I've ever been through because of the, you know, just the, I, I genuinely felt like my, I was doing everything to honor and glorify the Lord. Like he always pointed back to Jesus, like always used his platform to glorify Jesus. And, you know, um, he was always about making those, those players like husbands and fathers. It was, it was never mainly about the wins for him. And he like made that so known. So it was one of those things where I was just so heartbroken for him because you just see his name getting just completely drugged through the mud. And, and it's just, it was, he, like I said, he's my hero. And so seeing your hero go through that, you're just, you're mad and you're bitter at everyone. Like you don't, your, your trust is almost broken with everyone. Uh, You just have to eat. There's a lot to figure out. 
And so I, I think that the thing that I learned the most was rejoicing always, like having joy in everything. And so while I consider that the hardest thing that I've ever been through, I also look back and, and can genuinely say if that were to happen to us again right now, I, I would be joyful in it because I know what's on the other side and what come, what came from that. Like, I don't think that my family would have ever been as close as we are now. Like we were always mm. close, but there comes a time where that would you just kind of, you, not that we were just being torn apart, but you know, you do start to drift, drift a little. Everyone's on their own page. We're all going to school at different places doing our own things. If you're an SEC coach, you're like, you're swamped all the time. So it was almost as if the Lord gave us another opportunity to just reevaluate like what we're about as a family and then as a football family. And so that, that is where we just are truly thankful for it on the other side. So much in what you said that I'm running that, you know, just, popping through my mind and I take notes through these and, you know, just a couple of things that stand out is number one, I don't think there's anybody that would want their personal choices aired out in the media. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all make them right. You know, y'all just happen to be living in this glass bubble because you said SEC coach having lots of success. And as a side note, a very light note, I grew up an Auburn fan. So watching him beat Alabama was, you know, was was wonderful. Uh, But, you know, on a serious note, seeing a family go through what you went through and stay together for me is a testimony. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know a lot of families. Yeah. Especially a family of all girls. Yeah. You know, that would have yeah. embraced and said, hey, we're stronger. Right. So because it was public. Um, the other thing, my, you know, you're talking mom about. The, was, my mom was a rock star in that. Like, I can say that I thought that I knew what being, a, a you know, like a wife looked like and a mom looked like. But she while it was him, I feel like she probably experienced the most humiliation out of it. I'm sure. I'm sure. And, yeah. And she just, she just completely sh- showed us all what it looks like to stand by someone in humility when you probably don't feel like it and probably don't right. actually want to, and just, you know, fight for a marriage and fight for um, somebody because you know, his heart and you know, that, he wants to honor you and honor the Lord. And she just, she was absolutely incredible in showing us that because, you know, I, I, there are several situations that I know of where people, it it would be easier to just say, you know what, like this sucks, but I have, you know, a free go ahead to just walk away. But she was amazing in the sense of just showing us what it looks like to stand by your husband and just, you know, fight in humility and so, you know, that was awesome to experience as well. Because you're right. Um, maybe not to the public eye. Yeah. But yeah, her humiliation was greater. Yeah. Because um, I can't tell you how many articles I read that, you know, why, why, why is she staying? Right. And he had football to, to go back to. So, yeah. Mm. The other thing I was thinking about, you said that, you know, rejoice always, renewing yeah. your mind. I also thought about, you know, Romans eight twenty eight. it doesn't say all things are good, but he takes the all of our life and puts it together and uses it for good. So even when we royally screw up, yeah, 
if we come out of it with, you know, renewed, it's, it's used for good. And that's what I'm sensing from what you're saying is that you pressed into Jesus and is allowing it to be used for good and not allowing it to tear you apart. So that's, that's an incredible, incredible testimony. And a word that, you know, as I reflect on news story after news story and seeing what's happened since, and I think I was looking at, I think it's your Twitter profile. There's one word that came to my mind, but it's also on your Twitter profile, redeemed. Yeah. I mean, to me, that that's what you've described. So talk about, you know, what that word means to you. Yeah. So that is a work that I, that I have personally just experienced on a whole nother level. Um, because obviously everyone experiences Jesus as their redeemer. Um, but in a personal way there, there were just so many things that the Lord like proved to me because I, you know, he's so intentional. And so it's one of those things he just knew that that's what I needed from him. So he so intentionally proved things to me that like, he didn't owe me, like he never promises us to understand anything. Like it's just, that's part of faith. And so I never, he never owed me any of those things, but he just, every little detail that I was frustrated with, he came back and just proved it in a way that, you know, like I wouldn't have even known. Like There were so many things that happened with Ole Miss that they ended up having to face that we wouldn't have got out of if he didn't get fired before, because we, we were, you know, we were on top. So we were staying like, that's where we were. He had so many opportunities to leave, but you know, we, that's where we were and that's where we wanted to stay. So there, those things that they were having to go through after we were gone, like we would have had to, we would have had to endure. So, you know, that was one of those things. And then, uh, everything that came out about the NCAA, um, my dad never even got a, a show cause. He was deemed completely innocent. And so that, you know, that was just one of those things again, like every little detail, he was just, you know, proving to me, like, you know what, like I'm, a, I'm your redeemer, like, just wait, just wait. And so, you know, Liberty came along and, um, I still, you know, was just like, okay, you know, where you like, what, what, what's next? Like what's going, you know, what's going to happen next? And how much success we've had here. And just, again, one of those, um, intentional details where he was just like, you know what, you don't have to be in the sec and your, your pride will be okay. You know? Um, and so it was just, it's been such a humbling experience, experience to, just personally um, see him as in a new light as a redeemer and just the things that he, he, like he is rebuilding my dad's name in a way that, you know, wouldn't have happened if he didn't get brought down first. Um, And I don't know, there's just a lot that, that a lot more that, that goes with that word and just uh, learning a lot about, um, you know, different people in the Bible who you, like you said, Roy, like royally screwed up. And he, you know, he still called Moses friend. He still mm. called David a man after his own heart. Like those, those men were, you know, they were rough around the edges and for <laughs> the King of Kings to still call them friend and a man after his own heart. Like he 
truly is our redeemer. And so just to see him doing that in my dad's life, it just changed my perspective on a lot. And just that word has really resonated with me because of it. That's, that's incredible. I think we probably could talk a lot yeah. more on just, just on that alone. Yeah. But another thing that stands out, you know, the, you know, talking through that is the word identity. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of times, you know, we, that's where we do get messed up is yeah. our identity gets put in what we do, not who we are. Yeah. Um, and I had somebody tell me, you know, six, eight years ago, a mentor said, look, even before you're a husband and a dad, remember you're when your feet hit the floor in the morning, you're a child of God. Yeah. Then you're a husband, then you're a dad, then you're an employee. So, you know, it's that whole keeping that in perspective is, is so difficult mm-hmm. because the world we live in is all about what we, what do you do? Right. You know, what's your job? What, what, you know, your, right. your house, your car. And so that's the word that, you know, I kept thinking about as you're talking is that, you know, the importance of that identity, you know, which yeah. helps protect us. So that's good. So let me ask you um, about liberty um, because I'm with you. I think, you know, God is using that in, a, in an incredible way from afar. Yeah. Because I've heard the word redemption a lot, and especially in the last year with the success. Yeah. Um, but what challenges, you know, was it we were faced when y'all walking into liberty? Because I'm sure there were people going, really, Hugh Freeze? Yeah. Right? I mean, so, yeah. so talk about from your family perspective, you know, you have positive news, but then you get all the, you know, all the old stuff's brought up again. Yeah. So, um you know, that's, that is, first of all, just the thing that we were extremely thankful for the president at the time. And, you know, the AD Ian McCall for, you know, just giving him the chance to prove himself again. Um, because, you know, there at the time, a lot of ADs and presidents weren't. And, um, so that was something that first for them to take a chance to allow him to, you know, have that shot again was, uh, extremely generous and, you know, gracious of them. So we're thankful for that. But, you know, like you said, like this is a private Christian university and there are a lot, there were a lot that, you know, stood and were calling him a hypocrite. You know, there, there was a lot of that as I'm sure, you know, and so also um, football up here is not like it is in the deep South. It's not, it's not um, as big and magnified, um, it's, you know, it's, it's just, you, you know, at Ole Miss, it was one of those things, like it was a given, everyone's going to the game on Saturday here. You, you, it, you're like a 25, 75% chance that when you walk up to somebody and you say, are you going to the game? 75% of them are saying, you know, no, we're not really into sports, like blah, blah, blah. So it's almost like they, you have that challenge that you're just not used to that. You're just like, you know, nobody, there, there's just not a large group here that are are into it the way that we're used to. And so they don't know, you know like they don't know who he is or what he's done. And so all they know, they don't know anything about success in, in football. They, they only know what they've read in a news article. And so they, you know, he gets announced as the head coach and it's not like, oh, wow, he could really turn this program around. It's like, let me Google who he is because I'm not really sure. And then all it comes up is, you know, everything that you would think. 
So then mm. it's, it's almost like you have to be, you have to like <laughs> come back and kind of refute your argument in just the sense of we are, you know, that we have crossed that bridge and this is a time for, um, you know, like, like I've been saying, redemption and just renewal and rebuilding of, um, his name and his legacy. And so, um, that was a challenge in a, in and of itself. Um, and then you just also have, you, you still have to battle with your pride. It's just, and I don't know that he necessarily struggles with this anymore because I think that he has learned so much and just has been learned to be so content at where he's at. But I know my pride still tries to fight back in. And I'm just like, you know what? Like, I love it here and I'm so grateful for it here. But a part of me is like, okay, like, when are we about to go beat these, you know, beat the big dogs again? And it, you don't want it like you almost like my pride just kind of like fights the almost don't want to like leave it how it left how you left it in in the sec and that those kind of conferences and you kind of want to just like prove them wrong again right and so that that's been a challenge for me as well um because again i love it here and i'm so grateful to be here i do have to you know fight that that pride issue and just you know things like we're here for a reason and this is a great place and we can do great things here. And it's not about what I want it, what I, what my pride wants it to be about. So. I could see that. Um, especially being a daddy's girl that, Hey, yeah. let's go back down you, South. You we, really you know, we, you yeah. We've, we've got you some things we got to take care that. of. Yeah. Yeah. I could, <laughs> I could see that. You know, the other thing you said that I didn't even think about was that people there didn't know yeah so when they google they're not saying the good um i yeah. didn't think about that that's that would be very yeah. very difficult so how do you personally balance the demands of football with life outside of football and staying connected spiritually because like you said i mean football is a year-round deal well first i would like to just we had a great church in Mississippi. We uh, were part of Pond Lake where Tip Henderson mm-hmm. is amazing and we love his teaching and it's always been great to sit under his teaching. I think that he is one of the ones that truly um, brought conviction to me when I was trying to figure out if my faith was my own or not. And so I've, you know, we've always been a family that loved to, you know, be part of his teaching and stuff, but also moving here, there comes a point where you have to get involved in the community here. So at first I, I did, it was one of those things where I was like, I'll just watch online and, you know, continue to like grow through that. But, you know, there's, a, we're called to corporate worship. And um, so that there was a struggle with trying to find something because you always have that thing going like, this is just not Palm Lake. It's just not chip. Um, but that was that was the first step in just finding a home church here, which we do have a great one. Um, and we love it. We love it there. I, I do feel like I'm growing going there. So, you know, that would be the first step. But then my mom is awesome. And she just does these, um, you know, monthly uh, small group Bible studies where, you know, we learn under um, the teaching of God's word by ourselves throughout the week. And then once a week, you know, we do a Zoom. Uh, and just get different perspectives and different um, 
you know, thing that, you know, the Lord taught us individually. And so just like doing it on your own and studying it on your own, I, I truly feel like, you know, stretches me, me more rather than just listening to someone else teach. Obviously podcasts are always good. Sermons are always good. But if you're not in the word yourself, like there's no room for the Lord to speak to you personally. And so doing those um, has really uh, grown, grown my faith a lot. Uh, just, you know, learning for myself, then seeing other perspectives. Okay. It's just something you definitely have to be it's super intentional about. If you're not intentional about, you can always justify the fact that you don't have time. So that's absolutely. Just, yeah. Yeah, I think that that is a struggle. And I think one of the things in the in the last year in the COVID world, mm-hmm. um, the online church was yes. that was it. Yeah. And so that was a struggle, I know, for our family because it got to be we started really liking online because Sunday mornings were no longer stressful of everybody get ready, we gotta get out the door. And so, you know, it just you know, 1045, it's like, all right, everybody in the living room, cup of coffee, blanket, and, you know, watch church. But then, you know, you do realize you, you, you hit, you hit that point that, you know what, that corporate worship is vital. Um, yeah. And I think that's, has been, um, you know, it is a struggle when you move somewhere, but I think it's been magnified in the last year where. Yeah, it definitely has. Let me ask you. So a lot of our listeners are coaches. Um, yeah. So what advice would you offer that coach? this listening that has a family yeah. um, struggling with balance, yeah. um, you know, from the daughter's perspective, what, you know, what would you say to that coach that, you know, I, for him to understand or, you know, a piece of advice. This is such a good question because it's a, a, tr- a real battle in families that do have dads and husbands as full-time coaches, because, the coaching profession is so hard to make your way up the ladder that, you know, you almost always feel like I have to be in the office. I have to be, you know, doing this. Like I can't, I don't have time to go home at this hour. Like I have to prove myself. And so I have, you know, working in it now, I've seen that more and the pressures of that. So I know that that is a real battle and that's not something that, you know, I would just say, oh, it's easy. Prioritize your family. Like, no, like it, it is a real, it's a real thing. Like you want to be successful. And then you also, you, you can justify in the sense of like, I want to provide for my family. So, you know, like I'm going to have to sacrifice the time. And so, you know, honestly, I would just say, again, it's an intentionality thing. And I, I know that it's probably easier for my dad right now because he has made that himself and it's not like he's trying to climb that ladder anymore. So he, he, you know, like knows what he can do and everyone, you know, at this point, everyone does know what he can do. So it's not like he's trying to prove himself in that sense anymore. But I do know that um, after his resignation at Ole Miss, he took the time. He was always a great dad always prioritized us he really did a good job of that but he has I know he has learned so much about what it looks like to be a tender dad and husband and that is just a word that he has just truly grown in I think that it's easier to you know find time 
to be with um, your kids and your wife, you know, here and there and feel a little special, but like just the word tender has just really, you know, like him to do, he started reading books and just on, on the way that a woman's heart works. And he just, there, there are things like that, proactive steps like that, that um, I think can just really change the mindset that coaches towards their wives and kids. And um, he, he got this from one of us was talking to, and just was like, you know, what does, what defines a successful, you know, coach? And his friend just looked at him and said, you know, like you, you have it all wrong. If your wife and your daughters don't glow as cherished women, then you've lost it all. And so he always says, you know, they can't glow as cherished women if you don't um, glow as that of a redeemed son. And that's kind of like where he has, you know, um, just really pushed himself to be so, you know, and intentional and just making us feel so chosen and so loved and so seen. And, you know, that's just everything that, um, you know, children and wives, you know, want in their husbands. They don't care that. I mean, yeah, like they're always so proud of you with your, you know, football accomplishments and stuff. But like at the end of the day, is that really what women care about? You know, they want, they just want to feel like you want to make your husband and your dad proud too. And you want them to feel like they can come home and, or you want to come home and spend time with you and just, you just want them to you want to know that they want you and they you know you're uh, you're chosen above those other things and um so I think that that it's just little proactive steps that you can make that just make them feel seen and uh I just think that there there have been great books to help him and I just really think the main things um that he has truly and just that motto of you know, your wife and daughters have to glow like that of a cherished daughter. And, and you can't do that unless you glow as that of a redeemed son. So, wow, yeah, that's so good because you said something at the very beginning of that about, you know, in the coaching world, there's this sense that it's like a badge of honor, the number of yeah. hours I work, right? Oh, I was at the office 20 hours. Oh, really? I was there 20 and a half, right? I mean, it's all right. about hours and film study. And so that's that's very good. I love that. Um, I've asked that question to a lot of coaches about how yeah. they balance it. Um, but I love hearing your perspective. I mean, I wrote down the word, obviously intentional, but tender. That's one I haven't heard. Yeah. And I, that is such, you know, even for families of nine coaches, that is just so important as a dad, um, yeah. you know, it's hard more. for coaches because coaches aren't tender, you know, right. like you have to be stern. And, and that's just one of those things you have to learn that when you come home to daughters and wives, you flip that switch. And now like, they want you to, they want to feel tenderness from you. So I think that that obviously is something very hard, but once you have that mindset and that realization, think that there are definitely ways for you to figure that out. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think, I mean, if you're truly 
trying to honor God in your personal life, your marriage, you know, your family, then, you know, he's going to put you in those positions to where you can be that coach, but also, you know, honor God in those, in those areas. So a lot of people that grow up in the church have, have a life verse. I like to ask that, but also, you know, perhaps maybe there's one that God has just shown you recently that you'd share with us. So my favorite verse has always been, and I would probably still say it, has been Psalms 23, 4. And I think that um, people, you know, just love that whole chapter. For some reason, verse 4, just, you know, you're riding your stick for me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're riding your stuff, they come for me. It's just, um, I don't know, That's that one has really just hit home for me. Like, like I said before, just really learning to praise him, no matter what, like I could be walking through, you know, a living hell and that his rod and his staff, they comfort me. And just that I've just learned recently from, you know, um, Paul and they were praising Jesus before he even answered their prayers. And I don't, that, I don't, that has just been something that I've truly, you know, learned about. He, it was those things where, you know, they were released from prison. They, you know, they had opportunities to, you know, preach the gospel to teachers um, there and, you know, in prison. So they're using that opportunity to um, prison guards in any way that they can. So that was never their plan yet used it still to glorify the Lord and they're still being and bruised up in, in prison. And rather than waiting for the Lord to answer their prayers, to praise him, they're proactively, you know, thank him for who he is. So it's just one of those things that they weren't praising him for what, you know, they weren't praising him for the what, because if you look at the, what it really isn't a what to praise. Like at that point, you know, when you're walking through situations, there is a what, but they were praising the who and it was never about the what for them. It was always about the who. And that is just something that I've really started to learn a lot lately. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It matters who, who is. I'm writing that down. It's always about the who, not the what. Yep. I like that. That's a, that's a good, a good little yeah. thing to, to live by. So I think you, the last question I ask everybody, so I'm going to throw it out there. You know, we've kind of yeah. already talked about it. I just want to see if there's anything else you want to add, but you know, all in it's all over sports, you know, those two words, but it's all over, you know, to be a true follower of Christ. Jesus is very clear yeah. that you, it's, it's no lukewarm. It's hot, cold, you know, deny yourself. So from a practical sense though, Reagan, what does that look yeah. like? You know, I, you mentioned that individual study of the God's word, but what else would you say, you know, from a practical sense, does yeah. it mean for you to be all in your walk? Yeah. So I love that you said practical because I think that where we as Christians can mess up is the hypocritical standpoint and the, you know, the law standpoint, mm. like the, you know, just, you know, how they say in the Bible, just those that were living the old you know, covenant and stuff rather than the new, just like renewing of Lord. And so I think that that is where we mess up a lot as Christians is, you know, point pointing out everything wrong and in, in people and rather, rather than, you know, I love that you said practical, you know, that's so, 
that that's just a real word, especially in the football. Is you don't you don't run into a lot of football programs that have a culture of you know being all in with Christ. In that, that's just something extremely rare. So um, just being practical, and just the the little things that you implement into your program matter. So, you know, as a staff, we do, we use the Bible app and we'll do a plan a week. And then the staff, whoever wants to chime in about it, but it's never anything that's like pressured, but you know, at some point that someone's always hearing it. So even if you can just little things that where you're always hearing it, there comes a point where you start asking questions. And, um, so just little things like that. Um, that is awesome with using that platform. He wants to just build husbands and fathers as players. And so his, you know, once a week in his team meeting, it's teaching lesson and he wants to build character in them. Uh, you know, right now our, you know, our program motto is being a pro obsessed with good habits. And, um, so building those good habits and um, those players, because even, you know, even if they ever have faith, good habits will, decisions don't lie and their good habits will eventually lead, you know, lead to something. more. So, you know, we're not called to change hearts of players, but we are called, to, you know, plant seeds. And as long as you're planting those seeds, you know, those seeds are promised that they will not return void. And so I just think that that, is just this, you know, the smallest things where it's always being heard, they'll eventually start asking questions. And, um, so I, I, I don't know. I think again, with the practical, just showing grace, those, mm. you know, football players do not get shown grace. And so I think that that's some, something that, you know, my dad's been awesome in implementing in every program that he's been at and just, not being naive to real world issues and the fact that not everyone grew up like we did. And, you know, football players, they don't come to school because they want to, you know, most football players aren't coming to school because they're there to get an education or because right. they have, you know, evolved, they're coming to play football. Right. So a lot of them, their culture, the culture, different cultural backgrounds that are coming from are not, they're not, nobody is the same and nobody came from the same background. So it, it's something that is very unrealistic for programs to say, you know, this isn't allowed a, B and C aren't allowed and that's unacceptable and you'll uh, and this and that. And that's just unrealistic. And it doesn't point people back to Jesus because there's no grace in that. And so, yes, you're, you're developing a culture that's obsessed with good habits, but at the same time, you're doing it in a way that shows grace and love and speaks truth over them so that there's a point where they're like, you know what, like this truly cares about me. He doesn't just care that I do check this box and this box and this box. He wants, he wants a better life for me. So, you know, it pushes, you know, it pushes them to want to meet that standard and want to build that culture rather than just saying, you know, my coach is saying this, my coach is saying that. So I better, you know, so it changes it in their hearts and in their minds rather than just, you know, making it something that they have to do. And, and, and I, I think I like what you said is a lot of times we as Christians take being all in with Christ to a rules yeah. deal where, you know, we need a lot less Bible thumping and a lot more just loving people where yeah. they are. Because, I mean, people don't 
give a rip what I say no. about politics no. or whatever the current issues are. But if I just love them and show, like you yeah. said, show some grace. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like we could, we could change the culture mm-hmm. that we complain about so much. If we would truly live like Jesus said to live, I was reading today actually. Um, and John at the end of John 13, I'll, you know, I'll just wrap it up with this, but you know, after Jesus washes the disciples feet, you know, at the end of chapter 13, he tells them, he's like, look, I'm going somewhere you can't come. I'm leaving you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. Mm-hmm. That is it. That's what I'm leaving you with. Yeah. It's like, okay, if that's what Jesus left his disciples with before yeah. he goes to die, then it's pretty important. So if I just love people the way Jesus, you know, loved us, then that's really what he asked us to do. It's not all this other stuff yeah. that we keep pounding. So yeah, yeah, I'm glad you, glad you brought up that whole old law. That just yeah. that gets me kind of gets me on a rabbit trail. So I'll stop. Yeah. But no, if I was just thinking about it today, actually. So And the rest will come. Yep. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Like I said, I was just thinking about that most of today. Yeah. I don't know what brought it to my mind, but um, it was just one of those things. So that's good. Hey, I appreciate it. I know we've, um, um, you know, took us a, a little bit to get it scheduled, but I appreciate yeah. your time and Thank really you for having me. Yeah. Just incredible to hear your perspective and, and your faith and, and just your, your passion for Christ. Um, yeah is is so encouraging so i really appreciate it thank you for having me i enjoyed it you bet thank you again to reagan for taking time to share her story just being so transparent to talk about the highs and the lows of her walk and also um, the walk of her family just teaching us what it looks like to trust god in everything and to rejoice always and just the the word that we 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 talked about a lot redeem redemption and what that really means. So thank you again to her and and, and thank you for listening. I, I know you've been encouraged as I have. Um, I'd, I'd ask you to to share this episode with a family member or a friend, someone in your life that needs some encouragement. And uh, I, I just believe that that this is a message that that many, many people need to hear that no matter what you're going through, there is redemption that's only found in that relationship with Jesus. So share this episode with somebody and and, and be encouraged. And um, thank you again for for listening. We love to hear from you. You can go to our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org, or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just in the search bar, type in All In Sports Outreach. It'll take you to our, our page and find out who we are, why we do what we do, opportunities to pray, to serve, to give. Thank you again for your support. Thank you for, for listening, but most of all, Thank you for your prayers.